Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm excited about it because I believe God has a word tonight. And what better way to start off a preaching than with a video? So can we play that video to just kind of set the stage for what I'm going to be speaking about tonight? Go ahead and turn your eyes to the screen. In a days-long, days-long church service at a private Christian university in Kentucky. Weeks long. Weeks long, you're right. The service started February 8th at Asbury University, February 8th, and it hasn't stopped. Since then, the small school near Lexington has been in nonstop worship, attracting thousands of visitors. Wow. Kelsey Kernstein's here to explain what is going on and when or if it might end, Kelsey. Adrian and Mitch, this is really just a shocking moment and people are calling it a historic movement. Nearly two weeks of nonstop worshiping at Asbury University in Kentucky. It has now sparked thousands of people to travel to the small private college campus from all over the world to experience what they are calling a Christian revival. And what started as just a normal service on February 8th at the college chapel turned into continuous around-the-clock worshiping. Now, students say something changed in the atmosphere of the room, where participants say they felt a revival of spiritual energy. The word then spread on social media, and since then, tens of thousands have traveled to Wilmore, Kentucky, a town of just 6,000. Honestly, when you walk in here and people are singing and, and reading scripture and talking and just praying together and just they have smiles on their faces, you really do. Like, the atmosphere in here, like, it's palpable. I mean, it's, it's in the air. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is here. And what started as just a beautiful movement turned into some controversy and community tension over the influx of people in town, safety and security concerns. The president of Asbury putting out a statement no longer allowing 24-hour public worshiping offering the final public service this Wednesday. Now this movement, it has led to the emergence of several other revivals at college campuses across the nation. Thank you for watching. Go to news. Oh, how incredible is that? Asbury University and 34 years of my life, I've never seen anything like that happen in America. And I know we've had incredible revivals. We have a history of revivals in our country. But it's incredible to see what God was doing exactly a month ago. It was February 8th where they had this service. Um, and it was a, you know, simple message about God's love. I actually listened to the message. It was on YouTube. Um, but, yeah, just to see how God moved and how people were hungry to get in God's presence desiring to seek after God, and then next thing you know, a small service ended up erupting into, they said almost 50,000 people came to check out what God was doing on that campus. It went on for a little over two weeks, and then it spread, like it, like it said in, in the news clip, that it spread out to other universities, um, a lot of different, and I was researching this, but one of those universities was Baylor University, and actually yesterday while we were at Faith Club on Eastlake, 
there was uh, four guys that were on, um, from Baylor that came over to share their testimonies on, uh, on East Lake High School yesterday. It was incredible to hear. But you can tell these guys were just passionate. They were on fire for God. And I actually asked one of them, I was like, hey, you know, I heard that um, like something sparked on, on Baylor. And he said, yeah, we started off in the morning, uh, just a normal service, and there was about 100 of us. And next thing you know, the presence of God fell, and we ended up worshiping on straight for over a week. So God was moving uh, not only Baylor, but a lot of many other universities. Um, I think God is doing something on schools, colleges, high schools. You know, it gets you thinking, like, why would God move on college campuses? I think I, I might know the answer. I might know the answer. Because here's the thing. If I was to say, hey, babe, I'm going to be in this worship service for two weeks straight, three weeks straight. She's going to lock the door and say, you're sleeping outside. You're not coming home. <laughs> because I just can't. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I have responsibility to lead my home and lead it well. I can't just abandon everything like that. But college students... Most of them aren't married. Most of them don't have kids. They're not maybe tied down to a career. They're there to study. So they got the liberty to worship and stay. And I, I'm, I'm sure they went home and showered. But, man, it, it was incredible. It's incredible to see what God does, uh, is doing right now. And I remember thinking, like, man, is this really happening? Is, are we seeing revival spark up in our nation? And I said, well, how does that look here? And I really felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, what do you think I'm doing? Being on school since the beginning of the school year, I've seen just a hunger that young kids are, are, are hungry to receive from God and real, um, just a hunger to realize what is life about. And Jesus has life for them. And to see over almost 100 kids give their life to Jesus just in this region, God is definitely stirring things up. We're seeing it happen. And like I said, our country's not a stranger to revivals. In 1734, Jonathan Edwards led a revival in Northampton, Massachusetts. Then men like George Whitfield rose up and led during the 1700s. And then the 1800s came around. And then we had Spurgeon, Charles Finney, mighty men of God that led movements across this country. The 1900s, we had Smith Wigglesworth. William Seymour and the, the, the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s. And then we had Billy Graham. Right? The great crusader, Billy Graham himself, lead a mighty, mighty thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus to build the kingdom. And then in 1970, we had the Jesus People Movement. And I mention this because Jesus Revolution is a movie out in theaters right now, backed by Lionsgate. Incredible. Yeah, we took our high schoolers. It was incredible. And you should have seen the movie theater. There was such awakened culture in that theater. There was other people there. But our high schoolers were shouting down the, you know, even praying in there and, yeah, amening. It was incredible, incredible movie. Go ahead and watch it. But, yeah, the Jesus Revolution led by Lonnie Frisbee, who was broken, but God uses broken people. Powerful testimony. God used them in mighty way through miracles. And even in the 1990s, there was some Toronto blessing, Modesto blessing. There was different movements, but I was too little to, to even recognize that. So a lot of people think the last great movement was in 1970, which led to, you know, thousands of people giving their lives to hundreds of thousands that gave their life to Jesus during that time. Revival. What is revive? Revival. Um, the word revive 
actually comes from a, 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 a Hebrew word that says haya, haya, which means to live, cost to live, or proper, prosperously live. Restoration to life. It's a Hebrew word. So you won't see revival actually. You'll see it in other translations, the actual word revival, but it's revive in the King James. Um, and I want to read this, this uh, quote actually by Billy Graham himself. Not Guillermo Graham, Billy Graham himself. And it says, no nation has ever improved morally without a spiritual revival. History proves that point. Various nations of the past have tried to improve and pick themselves up by their bootstraps morally in order to save their country from disintegration. But they could not do it unless they experienced a religious revival. Now, disintegration is just loss of cohesionness, loss of strength, really falling to pieces. A nation that is falling to pieces. And I feel like that's where we find ourselves right now in this time. Especially after COVID and the rubble of that and, and everything we're seeing in culture. I mean, there's attack on family, attack on marriage, attack on women, our children. There was an article that was put out that in Gen Z, Gen Z is this generation here, that over 40%, almost 40% of our Gen Z generation experienced depression and sadness, and almost 19% uh, had thoughts of suicide. They had thoughts of suicide, and that's heartbreaking. But it goes to show you where we're at right now. See, this is what our nation needs is we need revival. We need revival in America, and I believe God is doing that right now. And I just want to be part of what God is doing. See, revival is not just for the non-believer. It's for believers too. I'm going to be talking about fire. The title of my message today is Revival Fire. Revival Fire. So when I mention fire, I'm not actually talking about physical fire. Nobody's going to light you on fire. We're not a weird church like that. Nothing's going to light up on fire here. But it's just meaning being passionate, being hungry for God. Like when you meet that, that girl or that guy and all you can do is think about talking to him or spend all night with him. That, that kind of passion and hunger for God just to see God's plans revealed in your life. To do amazing things for God. That, that type of hunger. So for the unbeliever, it's going from death to life, from death to life. And even for the believer whose fire has gone dim, God wants to light that fire tonight. Light that fire tonight. So revival fire. I'm going to give a little bit of context around um, where I'm going with my stories tonight and my points. But at, I'm going to be talking out of Acts. And the, and the first chapter of Acts, what you see is... Jesus appeared to his disciples right after the resurrection. So they find themselves in the middle of Passover to Pentecost, 50 days in between there. And Jesus appears to his disciples for 40 days through this time in bodily form. He shows up to them to say, hey, look it. I really did resurrect. I really did beat death. And then as he's with them and he's, you know, fellowshipping with them, he tells them. He gives them a command. In Acts chapter 1, it actually says, he commands them to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise that was to come. And still they were thinking like, 
Jerusalem, okay. Um, they would have been going to Jerusalem anyways because they were going to be celebrating the feast of Pentecost, which they were required to bring their first fruits. So, but they were still like, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, what's going to happen? And Jesus says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. When you go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise to come, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to fill you with power, and you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So that's what was going to happen. So they indeed go. They go to Jerusalem. We know the story. They wait up in an upper room, 120 of them, and they wait for the promise to come. The Bible says that they were in continual prayer, continual prayer. So my first point is this. Be combustible. Obedience to the word will light the fire. Obedience to the word will light the fire. See, here's the thing. This is They would have been going to Jerusalem, like I said, to celebrate the feast. But, God, but Jesus actually tells them, hey, yeah, I know we're, you're supposed to do that or that's what you would have done. But, hey, I'm giving you a, a different assignment. I'm telling you actually go and wait for what's to come. And out of obedience, that's exactly what they do. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house when they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what we see in that passage is a mighty rushing wind, and then we see fire falling on their tongues. Being combustible means being, putting yourself in a position to be lit on fire for God, and it's through that obedience. See, God brought the wind. He brought the fire and filled them with his power. And everyone that was in that room got lit on fire for God. And it was through that obedience. See, in order to, to have a fire spread, it needs wind, it needs that fire, and it needs a combustible material. A rossi can't spread. It needs something to light. And that's what happens. I'm going to read a, a, another quote, and this is from A.W. A. Tozer, who is a great author, uh, a man of God pastor back in the early 1900s. And he said this. He says, have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is not that we have been trying to substitute. Oh, I believe that the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying. It simply will not work. See, revival comes to those who are willing to be obedient. To be obedient to the word of God and what God has to say. See, your obedience reveals your love. Jesus says, hey, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Your obedience reveals your love for God. Now, when Pastor Mike asked us to step into youth ministry, I can tell you, I had every excuse to say no. See, God is not, he's, he's not interested in your excuses, but he's interested in your Yes. He wants your yes and not your excuses of why he can't use you, why he can't use your life. You see, we're expecting a baby. I could have said, you know what, I, I can't, I've never done this. I never led, never been a father. You know, I, I could have said, you know what, 
I worked on, on Wednesday services. I can't come. I, I just can't do it. Many excuses of why I wouldn't step into to high school youth ministry. But here's the thing. Somebody would have. And Pastor Mike might have said, you know what? Yeah, you know, that's, that's some heavy things. I understand. Okay. Um, you know, but somebody would have raised up. And I could tell you this. Whoever would have raised up would have experienced the miraculous power of God in their life. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Why do I say this? It's because that's what I've experienced in the last two and a half years of walking with Jesus. Can you be obedient to the word of God and what God's doing? All it takes is one. He wants to light one on fire. We see Peter give the first sermon right after that, right? And the Bible says that 3,000 were added to the church. The fire began to spread a wildfire throughout Jerusalem. So that's my first point. My second point is this. Let the fire spread. Revival always produces evangelism. Revival always produces evangelism. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 4 says, Now Saul was consenting to his death at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women committing to committing them to prison therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. It's kind of funny how they say that Paul was the one that, well, he did bring the gospel to the Gentiles, but look how, how, how really during that time he was persecuting the church, but it actually caused the church to spread because they had a move. They were getting persecuted and getting murdered, and so they moved out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. But I want to focus on that last line where it says, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Preaching, the Greek word for that word preaching is actually euanheizo, which means announce good news. Announce good news. Preaching the word, the word in that scripture is logos. The same word that is used in John chapter 1 where Jesus is described as the word. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. It's the same word. So what they were doing was they were announcing the good news of Jesus. And people were receiving him and getting saved. The power of God, not only were they doing that, but the power of God was moving through their lives. When, when Jesus said, hey, you're going to receive power, that power is dunamis, which is a miraculous power. It's a miracle working power in your life. That's what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive power, and then we're, we're to be witnesses, witnesses of God's goodness and grace in our life. Revelation 12, 11 says that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, our testimony. That word testimony is actually means evidence given. And here's the thing. I work cases, criminal cases. And unless you have evidence, the case is no good. It's no bueno. Can't, you can't convict anyone if you don't have good evidence. 
It won't even see a day in court. But the Bible says that the, the enemy is defeated by the blood of the lamb. That's what Christ did. His sacrifice was his blood for us that was shed for us. And it says, by, by, by the word of our testimony, what is that evidence in your life? See, once Jesus died for us, what's the evidence in your life? How has your life been changed by his sacrifice for us? See, that's the good news that we're talking about. Announced good news is that we were once dead and now we were alive in him. We were once broken, but now we're healed in him. It's been incredible what God's been doing. We talked a little bit about faith clubs. And when I was 18 years old, I was at a Bible study. A year prior, yeah, Bible studies, we don't really call them that as much now. Days, we call them connect groups and small groups, life groups. <laughs> but back in the day, it was Bible study. I was at a Bible study. And um, I had just given my life to God, fully surrendered as a 17-year-old. So I was real passionate, like I'm saying, that fire, that hunger to, to dive into God's word, to read the scriptures. And during this Bible study, my stepmother was there. I mean, not my stepmother, my step-grandma was there. And she ended up, she's an amazing woman of God, works in the gift of prophecy. And she began to prophesy over my life. And she began to explain this vision that she had. And in this vision, she said, I see you on a stage. And I see the front of the stage full of young people. And you're preaching on this stage and fire is coming out of your mouth. Fire is coming out of your mouth. And I remember when she spoke these words to me, it hit my spirit so hard. Where I remember just weeping uncontrollably because I knew it was a word from heaven directly into my life. And I received it during that time. Not long after, I began to make music. Christian rap music. Yes, I did do that. <laughs> and, and, and during that time, I remember, like, and, and in the songs, I would talk about my testimony and what God done in my life. And it was interesting because people would send me messages like, man, that song really touched me. And I'm like, man, it's a rap song. I don't, I don't know. But it was just because of the, the, what God had done in my life was flowing through the music. But I remember thinking about that vision and, and just saying, I, I don't know, maybe this is it. You know, I am on stage, young people. Um, but, you know, every, it, every time I went out to to, you know, rap or perform. It was never like a, it was a mix of people. It wasn't like a bunch of high schoolers. It was, you know, different generations of people that were there. But in this vision, and, and I remember when she was explaining it to me, like it stuck in my head and it was actually a crowd. Just like you guys seen earlier here today, which all the junior high and high schoolers right up front. Yeah, that's you guys, that's you guys. And I remember when we actually stepped in to high school ministry, I felt God speak to me and say, this is it. Because then I began to preach in front of a bunch of high schoolers, and that vision was fulfilled. That prophecy was fulfilled in my life. And I began preaching the gospel. And as I go onto these campuses, I really feel the Lord tell me, hey, bring the gospel of what Christ has done for you 
and then share your testimony. And as I've done this, I've seen countless kids give their lives to Jesus. And I believe it's just starting. Like Pastor Mike was saying, I think we'll, we'll see the results of all this and as years to come of what kind of harvest was reaped through this time. My last point is this. Keep it lit. And that's for my Gen Z folks over there. Keep it lit. Keep it lit. Let's go. Keep it lit. All right. Point three. Evangelism combined with discipleship sustains revival. It's discipleship that sustains revival. So I'm going to read the scripture to back this up. And it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42, going down. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That's their miracle-working power. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's generosity. That's what you'll find in this house. Every day they, command, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Sustained revival was happening in homes. You know, they didn't have a plan. They didn't plot things. They didn't have this kind of program or they weren't having run sheets. What happens where people were lit on fire for God. And right away they begin to preach the gospel. They begin to share what Christ had did for them. Who needs to hear your story in your life? There is someone waiting for you to speak up and share about the evidence given in your life of what Christ's blood has done for you. When we, we've been living in our house for, you know, maybe seven, eight months now, when we were believing for our home, what we saw was us eventually having like a connect group in our home. Lori and I, years ago, were leading um, connect group in our town home with um, married couples and it was a great season but it was challenging in our townhome because the parking was horrible it was HOA if you parked in the wrong spot they're gonna yank your car so it was kind of rough you know I didn't want to risk it so we would leave our garage open and have our guests park in our garage and we would park like a mile away and walk back to the house <laughs> and so I asked the church next door to us say hey can we I mean can we just use your parking lot please like, the parking lot's open, and they eventually they let us do that, which was amazing. Um, so we always had this desire to actually, you know, have these connect groups in our home, and, and God blessed us. But, you know, I've shared it with the Miracle Home, and, and this actually year, we launched out into our house with our team, our high school is there, and it's been incredible. And just like that scripture I shared, that's exactly what we do. We break bread. We're generous. You know, they said that the, they, they heard the apostles' teaching. We're, we're sharing the word of God in our home, having discussions, sharing of what God's doing in each and every one of our lives. And this actual past Thursday was the, probably the most incredible connect group we've had of late. Uh, there was like 30 plus of us there. Um, we talked about identity because that's the series we're in right now. And 
I'm going to share this story. I think Jose is here today. Um, Jose, he started going through Faith Club at East Lake High School. Then eventually he started coming to our services on Wednesday nights. It was the first time that he had come to our home for Connect Group. And it was, God was moving so powerfully. Um, Lori and I were ministering and, and just different things were coming out. We're praying for different things as the Spirit was leading us to. And then I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, ask who hasn't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I asked. So who here has not received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Jose raises his hand. He comes to the middle of our living room. And I had visions of this. I had visions of us praying in, the li- in, in our living room and people getting touched by God and the power of God moving. So we all put our hands on Jose and we begin to pray for him. God is moving, finished praying. And I feel the spirit of God just hit me and I sit down in a chair and I just begin to weep. I begin to weep and weep and weep. And next thing you know, I feel hands laid on me. And it's our high schoolers praying for me in that moment. And then next thing you know, I I open my eyes and Jose is on the floor crying. And more high schoolers are laying their hands on him, praying for him. And then I hear Jose say, I feel this warmth enter my body. And he began to say, I'm experiencing something I've never experienced before. And God was literally touching his life and moving in his heart, which was incredible. We were able to bless Jose with the ticket to emerge. I'm excited because I know what God's about to do in your life. Jose, you're never going to be the same. He's already shifted things, but get to wait, wait till after this weekend. Wow. I started reading this book called The Jesus Club. And uh, it was a a friend of mine that comes here on Wednesday nights. He's actually a pastor at a different church, but he comes here on Wednesdays usually. And he wanted to link up with me about just what God's been doing on schools. So I had lunch with him. And as we're talking, he says, you know what? I want to bless you with this book. It's called Jesus Club. And And he started talking about this guy named Brian Barcelona, who I've never heard before. Never heard of him until he was telling me. He said, I'm going to buy you this book. Bless you with it. And look at, I know leaders are readers, but the only thing I read is the Bible, honestly. (laughs) I'm sorry. Maybe that's something God's working in my life to read books. But he gave me this book, and I had this urgency to, like, I need to dive in this book and figure out what it's all about. So I began to read about Brian Barcelona's story, and he, this was going on in 2009 is when God gave him a word. He was at Spirit West Coast, which is a, an event. I don't know if it's still going on, maybe. Um, but anyways, he was at this event, and he hears a word from God is saying that, hey, God, I'm going to use you to save high schools in America. Yeah, that's what he heard. It was a word from the Lord for him. And he, he went out and shared it to people, and people were just weren't as excited as, as he was. But he knew it was something that he had to be obedient in. So he was like, you know what? I just graduated high school. The only high school I know is Elk Grove, which I think is like by Sacramento. So he's like, I'm just going to go on to, to my old high school. And so he went and found a teacher and connected with this teacher. And they began to start this, this faith club. And the first time he went, only four people showed up. 
But even though there was four in that classroom, he heard the Lord say, preach, preach. And then he began to say, well, maybe I should go outside and start gathering more people to come in. But no, he's heard the word of the Lord say, preach. He began to preach in that classroom. And all four of those kids gave their life to Jesus that day. God began to show up on that campus and hundreds of people started giving their lives to Jesus as he started doing these rallies. Then he went to another high school and then hundreds more were showing up and God literally started that revival on high schools and now thousands of people have been saved and there's many Jesus clubs around in different high schools. That's what God can do when you're willing to say yes. Don't offer excuses. What God can do with your life is incredible. Be combustible. Position your life in such a way that God can light you on fire. Let it spread. Spread the fire. Revival produces evangelism. Share what God has done in your life. Don't let the enemy tie your tongue. There's, there's coworkers, there's family members around you that need to hear what God's done in your life. Number three is keep it lit. Discipleship sustains revival. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you got invited here for the first time and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're hearing this message today and you feel God stirring something up. God is about to light the fire in your life. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus, and here it is, I've been there. I've walked for G with, with Jesus, and I found myself in moments where I, I, I didn't feel God, and I always knew, like, God, you have something more for me, but I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm serving. Yeah, I show up to church, but that doesn't mean I'm on mission for what God has assigned for me to do on this earth. It's great to serve. Get involved in connect groups. It's very much needed. Show up to, to men and women's prayer. Do that because it will change your life. It has changed mine. But there is something that happens when you're willing to share your testimony and begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that will transform your life. There is power in that. There is power in the blood of Christ. So I want us all just to stand up today. If you're in that first group that I mentioned, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know where to start, start today. Today's your moment to receive him. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation or eternity. You can't work your way, you can't, do with so many good deeds to be a good person. You just can't because we all fall short. We all fall short. We have all sinned. And the penalty to sin is death, eternal separation from God. But Jesus came into this world, lived a life that we couldn't live, died a death that we couldn't die. And today's your day to receive the life that he has for you, a life of abundance. 
a life of miracles. He has that for you today. I always share this when I, when I, when I preach at, the, at these faith clubs. I say, man, I've seen the worst of the worst in life. I've been broken myself. I come from a broken home. I've been rejected. I've searched this whole world and nothing I could find could fulfill the void in my life. No alcohol, no girls, no partying. Nothing could fill my life like Jesus. I've seen the worst of the worst. I've seen countless and countless of countless dead bodies because of my job. Teenagers who've been murdered senselessly out in the streets, laid out in the cold with gunshot wounds, brokenness, kids that have been sexually abused. And I have to talk to these kids and the only thing I could come up with is the only hope in the world is found in Jesus. Jesus has everything you need. He's a mender of the brokenhearted. He's here to set the captives free. But you have to be willing to surrender. Tonight's your day, your night of surrender to him. If you have not received Jesus, today's your day. I want everyone to bow their heads. If that's you and you know God is, God is knocking on the door of your heart. On the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand and say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. I want this life that you speak about, this life-transforming life. On the count of three, one, two, three, go ahead and shoot your hand up in the air. Thank you, thank you. Shoot your hand up in the air if that's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus has that life for you, the life you can't earn, the life you can't work for. So I want us all to collectively pray together for those who have received him in their heart today. We're going to confess with our mouth and they will be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for my sins. I believe the blood that was shed on Calvary covers my past, present, and future sins. And today I have decided to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We seal that prayer. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.